Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Kaylee, and this week we have Song Che, Business Development Manager at First Founders Capital Partners. The company focuses on supporting businesses led by women, ethnic minorities, and military veterans, inclusive teams, and businesses located in low to moderate income areas. From being an event specialist to a current innovative team member committed to creating a thriving and inclusive economy, Song can do it all. Welcome, Song. How are you today? I am doing great. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm good. I'm glad it's Thursday. <laughs> yes, as we've established, it is officially yes. Thursday. <laughs> we were both saying it felt like Tuesday, Wednesday, but it's Thursday, one day closer to the weekend. It's great. Well, to start, we usually have our guests tell us a little bit about themselves. So why don't you do that and then tell us how you got to where you are now? So my name is Fong. I have two school children that um, attend Pierce Elementary, and that's kind of how the Andersonville community became a part of my community. Um, and as far as how I got here, you know, um, I grew up as an Army brat, and so moved around every two to four years, um, somehow landed at Kansas State University, loved my experience there. But my background, my education was actually interior design, because, you know, something that I love doing. But I also graduated in 08 during their real estate bubble <laughs> first thing that happened. Um, so that kind of led me down a different career path. And so when I ended up in Chicago, um, I had this opportunity to be a brand ambassador for this great tech startup um, called Parachute. And through that process, um, I came to learn that I, you know, have a natural knack for, you know, building community and um, being a resource to everyone around me. And so during the pandemic, obviously, you know, a lot of businesses were kind of forced to shut down or, you know, scale back their staff. Um, I was fortunate enough that I wasn't scaled back, but there wasn't really a, a lot of work for me to do. So I started looking for jobs and found this job posting from a company that I had never heard about before, but I fell in love with their mission. And that mission was to basically close the racial and social economic gap by, um, you know, supporting and funding underrepresented founders. And that to me is very value aligned. So I immediately was like, oh my gosh, I want to do this. So, you know, decided to throw my hat in hat. No, not my hat. Decided to throw my name in the hat. And um, somehow, you know, they decided to take a risk since I had never done a biz dev kind of role. And that's, here I am. <laughs> That's amazing. And how long have you been in this role? About four months. So relatively new still. That's so exciting. And it's so different too. I love hearing people's career paths over the years. It's like you can major in one thing and then end up doing something completely different in even five years, 10 years. Right. I mean, interior design to finance, that literally, that's a mat, like that there is no jump. It's like I had to do a train ride and a plane ride and swam a little bit. Like, <laughs> hey, I'll take it. That is so crazy. That's awesome. And we are going to touch more on that later in the interview. But I do want to go back to how you became interested in working for a place like Parachute and working with events. Um, what kind of work did you do there? Yeah, so Parachute, um, you know, just I guess a quick background with that company is that, you know, it was really to give parents um, the freedom to get their kids into enrichment classes in a much more flexible way. Because, you know, traditionally you have to pay for a full week, you know, full 12 week session. And if your kid is sick, you know, you're kind of losing that money. So it was a way to really meet the needs of the parents and also making that accessibility better. 
Um, and so with my role at Parachute, you know, I really got more into the events, which was that community building because I loved bringing people together. And so, you know, that was through doing things like the Parachute Exclusive Dinner Club, because as we all know, Chicago is a wonderful restaurant city. But anyone with young children will tell you like going out to eat is terrifying because you just don't know what your little like spawns are going to do. Like you just don't like, you know, they might be angels or they might decide that they hate everything and have a tantrum. So it's, it's a bit stressful. And so part of our idea was, you know, let's partner up with these amazing restaurants and help build this like slower dinner reservation time where it's not as many people and it's not going to be, you know, during the dinner rush and allows parents to have this low stress um, environment to try out these great restaurants and, um, you know, also supporting a local company. Um, so yeah, I did stuff like that. And then, you know, it kind of continued to evolve into doing more like parachute exclusive events like we did. We worked with the Davis Theater, which is, you know, local nearby to us as well, um, and did like a Frozen 2 movie premiere. And, you know, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, no, a lot of fun. <laughs> That's so fun. And did you work mostly in the Andersonville area? Or was it kind of sprawled out all across Chicago? It was all across Chicago. Yeah. But of course, I try to bring as much as I could. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's, that's incredible. And really fun, too. I mean, you get to see and go to different parts of the city that you probably normally wouldn't go to or different restaurants you'd get to experience and everything. But you did also mention this in your description. Um, you are now working as a business development manager for First Founders Capital Partners. What inspired you to make the switch? That's a really, really great question. Um, honestly, I think it was literally one of those days that like, I was just happened to be on LinkedIn looking at the job postings. And yeah, like I saw this job posting for a program coordinator position, actually. And so in my head, I was like, okay, that's not like, you know, my skills relatively translate to that role. Like, let's take a look at it. And while I was doing some research, that's when I really came to like, learn more about founders first. And that's where, you know, like the mission and the values, like, and those just like stood out to me. And especially because like, you know, like with recent events and just in general with like my experiences as a, you know, Asian woman, like I know what it feels like to be kind of on the outside all the time. And so seeing a company that was really trying to actively, you know, fix that, um, was just so inspiring and also like so value aligned with myself with what my beliefs were. And so, um, so I, yeah, so it was really the company, like it wasn't necessarily the role. Cause in my head I was like, Oh, I definitely not qualified, but the company, I was just like, I have to work for this company. Like, this is fantastic. Like I want to be on the ground helping, you know, make a change in whatever way I can. That's incredible. And I was going to ask this later, but you're talking about it now. I, Founders is obviously so proud of their diverse culture and inclusivity. And I know you explained why it's important to you as an individual, but why is it important to you as an employee? And why is it important to implement that in a workplace, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, like, let's be real. Like, the more inclusive and diverse your workforce is going to be the better ideas that you're going to have because if everyone thinks the same like there's no innovation that's happening there's no challenges that are going to be made and so having a company that really you know lives their core values through the way that they hire is huge because it's one thing to say oh yes like we're here to you know support underrepresented founders but if it's all a certain type of person 
then it's like, how can you really, if you don't have these shared experiences and knowledge? And so I think that's where that comes into play, where it's like, you know, putting action behind the words. Absolutely. That's incredible. And per the website, uh, it says Founders First Capital Partners was formed to support businesses led by women, people of color, LGBTQ+, military veterans, and businesses in low to moderate income areas by providing revenue-based funding and acceleration services. Amazing, off the bat. And you kind of touched on their mission, but what role do you play in that? Yeah, so I'm the regional business development manager, meaning that I'm going to be the boots on the ground for the Chicagoland area. Um, and so part of my role is to connect with, you know, small businesses and be a resource. So, you know, if they're not a fit for our programs or, you know, like can't get funding with us, you know, we're not going to just be like, oh, too bad, too, like, sorry, like, bye, <laughs> you know, like that's not, that's not what we're going to do. And that's not what I'm going to do. And so, you know, our goal really is to be growth partners with all the small businesses that comes into our door, even if we can't directly help them, we're going to still, you know, try to lead them in a different direction that, you know, if that means getting them connected to a different company or a different um, business service organization, like those are things that I'm going to do. So part of it is like being on the ground, getting to know what, you know, small business owners need. And then also, you know, cultivating and developing partnerships with local organizations um, so that, you know, if someone comes in, I can be like, oh, like, talk to Kaylee. Like, yeah, like, this is a, this is a perfect thing. Like, let me get you guys connected. Things like that. Yeah. So did it take a lot of work getting to know the company quite a bit? Did you have to go through different workshops on your own? Or did you just have to do a lot of research about the company overall and the people that work there? Or how has that process been like the last four months? The process has been phenomenal. Like, I honestly... I kind of came into it and I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop because I'm just like, wow, like this has been pretty painless. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, I got to know a lot of my coworkers and, you know, you can just tell by the way that they talk about what they're doing and who they're working with that, like, you know, that passion is just behind everything that they're doing. And that is in line with Founders First and our core values and our beliefs. And so it was easy for me to learn those right off the bat. Um, and then, you know, um, I got to sit in with all of the accelerator programs, like there's the videos are recorded. So I got to watch those to really understand how the programs work themselves. And then, yeah, like it was just constant, like, you know, I ask Sherry, our chief growth officer, you know, I was like, Hey, like, what do I do? And, you know, and she was just always available. Like the team at Founders First is truly one of those, like, they just all want to help. It's like, oh, there's no like shining star. Everyone wants to be like a galaxy together, which is kind of sickeningly, like obnoxiously kumbaya-ish, I guess to say. But it's what it is, which I love. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. And I mean, it just goes to show it's okay to ask questions and it's encouraged. Like you want to facilitate a welcoming environment in a workplace. So no, that's really cool. I love that. And for our viewers and maybe myself included, I do want to ask uh, why revenue-based funding is more valuable as a business loan. In other words, what makes founders stand out compared to more traditional banks? Yeah, that is a great question Um, because I knew revenue-based financing can be a little bit confusing, but the best way that I can explain it is that um, we don't look at assets, you know, and so it makes it easier for 
women owners or you know diverse founders because a lot of times the truth is um, underrepresented founders come in with less assets a lot higher debt and so it makes it tr makes them traditionally not bankable because of the fact that you know maybe their credit score is a little bit too low or they have you know way too much debt or you know they haven't been in a business for a long time or the industry is just wrong right whereas with revenue-based financing through us um we don't look at that stuff we don't you know we don't really care about your personal credit like of course we're going to do the you know our due diligence but the truth is is that as long as you know you meet our minimum revenue mark and then there's you know proof that there's going to be incoming revenue then more than likely we're going to find a way to work with you and get you the funding that you need to continue to grow your company like i said you know we are truly growth partners and not capital partners and so um with the payment of it it's structured in a way where um if one month you're just killing it your, your monthly payment's going to be a little bit higher versus if another month you're a little bit slower the monthly payment's going to be lower because again it's based off of your annual revenue um and so the monthly payment will always be you know a single digit percentage of that revenue and so it really doesn't choke or um, inhibit the company's ability to grow very fascinating so if someone is seeking assistance from a company like Founders, how would they qualify and what steps should they take? Yeah, so um, the easiest thing would be to contact one of the business development managers. So that would be me for the Chicagoland area. And, you know, I'll get to know the company, the founder, like, you know, what their needs are, and we'll see if it's a fit for us. Um, but in terms of like, if we're looking at just strictly the financing side, then um, we do have a minimum revenue requirement, which is 500K. And um, you have to have been in business for at least 12 months, just so that we can see, you know, be able to gauge kind of like what your app, like revenue is gonna look like. So that's kind of like the minimum things that we look for. But otherwise, in terms of getting that information, the best thing would be to, you know, schedule a call with me so that I can really understand your company and what it is that you really need. Absolutely. And if somebody were to be qualified, um, would you be able to take us through maybe what an introduction meeting would be like with a client? What is that process like? What do they have to do? What do you have to do? So with our, pro with our accelerator programs, basically the first meeting that we have is going to be, you know, trying to really understand what, you know, the company's needs are, like what they're looking for. And then, um, of course, I'll give more information about the specific program um, in terms of like, you know, when the start dates are, the time commitment and you know like the the all exciting the part that everyone looks forward to is obviously the pitch competition because you know that's kind of like the big shebang right you get to like really show off everything that you've done to develop this you know wonderful growth plan so yeah so it's really one meeting and then after you know we go through kind of what um the company needs are or what they want then i will send out a terms and condition and um you know they'll look at it they'll sign it and then that's it and then a program coordinator will, you know, get in contact with them, set them up with an account so that they can be set up for their first workshop. So it's pretty painless, pretty seamless, doesn't require multiple, you know, meetings. Of course, if there's additional questions, like we can have more meetings or, you know, talk over the phone or emails, but it's pretty seamless. And then for the financing side, um, it's again, pretty similar to that, you know, you talk to manager we kind of see like you know we'll kind of qualify you and then if you know you meet the qualifications then i will send you over to our director of investments who is bella and then she will take over from there that's great and i think that's something that intimidates a lot of small business owners in particular is just like that initial oomph to get there because it does seem like it's going to be a complicated process but the way you just explained it you guys make it seem very 
very relaxed for them. Like you take them through the process easily. I mean, obviously not every situation is going to be easy, but it seems pretty self-explanatory. Uh, on your website, it also says that Founders offers programs or courses that can help businesses with growth. Can you walk us through that structure and how these programs might support small businesses? Yeah, so um, our programs are set up where there's three different types that we have. The first one is our challenge program, which are for businesses that are generating up to about 250K in annual revenue. Then our second program is bootcamp, which is for uh, businesses that are making about 250K to about a million. And then our third program is FastPath, which is the 1 million plus companies. So we have it tiered by um, annual revenue because the growth needs of a company that's, you know, making 50K versus one that's making over a million is going to be very different. And so we have it tiered so that we can really acknowledge and um, meet those growth needs and those specific challenges that come with it as you continue to grow and, in your revenue. Um, and so the the modules themselves, um, you know, there's program facilitators that are hired. So they're not, you know, academics who are volunteering their times. These are, you know, serial entrepreneurs themselves, successful business people who are, you know, actively running their own businesses. And they will, you know, teach the classes and the courses um, and we'll bring in subject matter experts as well. You know, we had one that talks about government contracts, which is, you know, it's super intimidating. Like I sat through that. I'm still confused. So I can only imagine people who are trying to get that for themselves. So like, you know, we try to meet those needs and um, they're all virtual. So, you know, you don't have to physically go anywhere, which is wonderful because you get to sit, you know, in your office or your restaurant or wherever you're working and get to sit in and do these courses. And then, um, and then the pitch events, you know, the plan is that it will be live events, but obviously with COVID, you know, we'll kind of see what happens with that. But super simple, like I said, it's online courses um, led by amazing program facilitators along with subject matter experts. And it's a lot of fun because you get to get connected with other entrepreneurs because people who are you know running their own businesses, a lot of times like it's really isolating and lonely because you, you know, you're, you're running your business. And so to be able to connect to other fellow peers who are in the same boat as you are, like that alone is such a great support system. And then, you know, there's potential for a lot of partnerships that kind of develop from that. That's fantastic. Are these programs uh, free to people? Are they at certain times of the week? Are they just accessible at any point? Can you give them our listeners a little bit of information about that? Yeah. So um, for Chicago, for the Chicago Land specifically, um, the challenge program, we just completed that. And that was back in May. And so we'll do that once a year. Um, and then with boot camp, that's a nationwide. So it's not tied to any region. And that happens three times a year. And then Fast Path, which I'm currently working on, um, that one is starting September 20th. And so, and again, that will also be um, once a year as well. So it is, you know, tied to a certain date. And so it's not available year round. Um, but the programs do happen once every year. Has it been a learning experience working on something like that? Or how has that process been like for you? It's been fun, honestly. Like, I feel like I am learning so much more um, about, you know, business owners and how to run a business and even like things to put on my personal stuff, like, you know, um, getting my finances in order. Like, I hate looking at a checkbook. <laughs> like, who, who does that, you know? So it's like, I, it's been fun because like, you know, there's things that apply not just to, you know, your business, but also to your 
honestly, almost like your everyday life as well. So that process has been really fun for me to kind of like learn and see, and then also to walk through because I'm new myself. So it's like, I get to learn almost with the business owners, which is really fun. I love that. And getting to know people is such an important part of your job, I'm sure too. And you just, you learn every day, something new every day. So along with that, getting to know business owners, have you personally had any experience or even heard a story about working with a client that stood out to you and something that made you think, this is what I meant to do? I mean, all of them. (laughs) Honestly, like, I mean, every person that I've talked to, their entrepreneurial journey has just been so inspiring and so cool. And it's one of those things where you're just like, wow, like, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) This you're so smart. (laughs) This is such a great idea, you know? Um, But with our challenge program, that one that just finished in May, you know, there was one that I, well, I mean, personally, I'm a huge tea drinker. Like I love tea. And so we had this company called Penny's Tea. And Penny is such a phenomenal entrepreneur. Her story is absolutely amazing. Um, And, you know, she has a give back model as well, where, you know, a certain percentage goes back to um, domestic shelters. And I just think that that's so cool. And the thing that I loved about it is she admitted at the pitch competition that she almost didn't do it because it was scary. Like, you know, she is used to talking to retailers, but like doing something like this, where you're talking in front of investors, it was intimidating for her. And so she almost backed out of it, but ultimately she didn't. And she killed it. Like her pitch was phenomenal and so amazing. And her teas are going to be sold at Target stores. That's huge, huge. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, people look out for Penny's tea at Target. Like her teas are delicious and they're organic and healthy and good for your gut. Like, and again, I'm a tea drinker, so I'm a bit biased admittedly, but yeah, like, so seeing that journey where like she, you know, was like a little bit intimidated by the, by the prospect of pitching and she still did it anyways, and then killed it. Like that, I was just like, oh, like this is where I belong. (laughs) That is the perfect perfect story. I couldn't have asked for anything better than that. And I, I'm, that makes me so happy for you. And it's great hearing how happy you are in the role you're in now. Um, and you've only been there four months. Who knows what'll happen? I know. That's so I'm, I'm staying for 40 years. I'm never leaving. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. And I will ask, do you have a favorite tea? Oh, yes. I actually like all of them, but there's a new flavor that's coming out that I'm really excited to try, which is her elderberry one. And that's huge because, again, like, obviously, people know who are into holistic, like, health, like, it's good for your immunity system, which is perfect during COVID. But, so, yeah, I'm excited to try out the elderberry one. That's fun. And, I mean, that's a great segue into our rapid-fire questions. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Every podcast interview, and it's kind of a way for our listeners to get to know more about you. Um, they're just fun questions and we will ask the question, or I guess I will ask the question. I'm used to having a partner, but you can take as long as you want to answer the question and even segue into other things as well. Just whatever you feel like talking about more than welcome here. So to start off, I'm going to ask in your opinion, what top three things does every event need? Oh, I mean, food, food and drinks, obviously. Like any event that doesn't have food and drinks, I'm just like, come on. (laughs) So, I mean, really all three should be just food, like all like three different types of food. I I mean, I'm not kidding, but I am kidding. (laughs) Um, And then obviously I think um, just having 
like some sort of like entertainment too. Like, you know, it's not just enough to have a meeting or some sort of event. Like I think it's really meaningful when you have some sort of interactive activity that people can do so that they feel like they're a part of that event and they're also building a memory. And then the third one would be, honestly, I love the swag. Like, give give me the goodie bags. <laughs> I want the pens. I want the pens and the stamps. I want all of it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that. You might think this is fun. My mom, it was always big on my birthday parties growing up. I hated it, but she was all about it. And one year we had a theme where it was like a Hawaiian type thing. So she had these Hawaiian bags with little towels in them and like little sunglasses. I don't know, but. So that's so funny that you brought that up because uh, my youngest, Hannah, just turned seven last week. And for her birthday party, we did like a beach party. And for their goodie bag, I gave out beach towels and I hand stitched, like hand embroidered all all her friends' names on them. You are yeah, I, I love it. I am that, yeah, I am that mom, which is why I was like, I love your mom. Like, I am that mom. <laughs> totally tell her that. She'll eat that up. I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Another question is, do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite parent escape in Andersonville where you go on a date night, kind of get away from the kids? Ooh, that's a really good question. I mean, like, honestly, I love just going to any dive bar. Like those are always just so much fun and like the crowd is always fun. But lately I've been really enjoying um, atmosphere yeah. in Andersonville. <laughs> Cause yeah. well, Don is the bartender there guys and he works on Wednesdays and he's fantastic. So <laughs> I like going there to hang out with Don. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite activity you like to do with your family in Andersonville? I mean definitely eating like all of the restaurants there I mean and Henry like we uh, I mean obviously kids love replay but like yeah all of those restaurants love them I fell in love with Kopi so I don't live in Anderson yes but yeah no it's it's incredible it's so good every time I worked so when I was there for my internship I had in-person and remote both because of COVID so whenever I was in I'm like I don't even care I'm going to try something new every time I go. And most of the time, I love that. like Starbucks, but it's fine. I still tried as much as I could. And Kopi and M. Henry were two of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, that whole, oh, Andersonville has like the best restaurants and coffee shops. They really do. <laughs> so if you could take over one shop in Andersonville for a day, what would it be? Oh, hands on foyer. I like, I'm a huge plant person. I want to say Gethsemane, but that's a huge, huge shop. And I don't think I could handle it, but foyer, like their curated stuff, the plants, like I want that. I want to buy that entire shop. So yes, that one. <laughs> I was going to say, I looked at your LinkedIn and I heard you're a plant junkie. I am. So ballpark, how many plants do you own? And do you have a favorite? With your little baby? So yeah, so my kids actually made me count my plants, so I actually know the exact number of 31 plants currently in a, in a tiny two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> so you're living in a forest, that's what you're telling me. <laughs> yes, I want, I want to create an indoor jungle, especially once the winter hits. Like, I just want to pretend like it's not cold outside and I'm in like this humid jungle. Like, that is my, that's my goal. <laughs> Incredible. Do you have like one plant that's more high maintenance than the others that you have to water multiple times a day? Yeah, it's the, the or I, I, think, I don't know if I pronounce it right, but it's the Calathea or Calathea. 
like those plants, like they are so finicky and like want so much humidity and then they get all crispy and they get all angry if you don't water them at the right time. Yeah, those are my high maintenance plants. And every time I get it, I'm like, why did I buy this plant again? But they're so beautiful. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll deal with your high maintenance. <laughs> That's a true plant mom right there. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> And also on your LinkedIn, I saw you might be a football fan. Yes, which, okay, I know I live in Chicago, so please do not write. When you hear me say this, I, I'm not a Bears fan. I am a Chiefs fan. Like, Mahomes all the way. Like, <laughs> Mahomes. <laughs> so were you, like, super excited about the Super Bowl this year, all over it? Did you deck out your house, yourself, in Chiefs gear? Oh, my kids, like, I get them, like, cheap shirts, and, like, they're just, like, why are you buying us this? And I'm, like, because you will be a cheap fan. Cheese <laughs> <Jeez> house. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, who's your homie? Mahomes. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bit, I'm a bit obsessive with the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I love the Chiefs, and I, and I have to always say, like, I was a fan before we had Mahomes, so it was rough being a fan, so I under, I sympathize with all the Bears fans. Although, to be fair, you guys got Justin Fields, so that should be really interesting this season. Quite excited to see it actually shake down. <laughs> fair enough. And, I mean, you went to school in Kansas City, right? I yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, you've been a Chiefs fan for a long time. Nobody can say anything. Exactly. I am not a bandwagoner. <laughs> <laughs> did you see they, they had their kid, right? Patrick Mahomes? Yes. Yeah, they did. That's so cute. I'm here for it. Um, and I'm very excited for football season, too. I miss Sundays. and. Just hanging out all day watching football. It's the best. Um, and kind of moving back to your original major, what are your least favorite trends in interior design at the moment? Or you could even say your favorites. Maybe both. Ooh. You know what? I actually am not a fan of the whole rustic farm look. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I, like... I just, it's, I mean, it's just not my, per, I guess it's not, my, it's not my personal aesthetic. So like, I know that like, there's lots of places that do it and they do it in a really beautiful way, but I just like, yeah, no, not for me. <laughs> Are you more of like a modern industrial type of? Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, I love walnut, like the walnut finishes and the tones. So I tend to be a little bit more like MCM or like mid-modern century. Um, but yeah, which, which just probably explains why I'm not a fan of the rustic aesthetic, because it's like the polar opposite. Yeah, no, that's totally okay. I, I also love interior design. I, was, I wanted to be an interior designer for a long time, um, but I'm very into uh, watching Architectural Digest videos on YouTube. I don't know if you're into that, but... I love that. That is so oh my goodness. That makes me so happy. I feel like such a nerd. I'll just keep watching them all day. You know what? The nerds are the best types of people, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't not agree. <laughs> yeah, you just admitted that you watch Architectural Digest videos. I'll be like two hours in, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> but no, that's incredible. So that finishes off our rapid fire questions. So is there anything else to conclude our podcast that you would like to mention about yourself and how can people connect with you further? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I just want to connect with everyone. So, you know, find me on LinkedIn. My name is Song Che, or you can email me at sche, and that's spelled C-H-A-E, at f1stcp.com. Or you can call me at 
341-8102. I am an open book. I am eager to get to know everyone and, you know, be a resource to everybody. And also, I just want to try all your stuff too. <laughs> like Edisonville, especially like all your products are fantastic. So yeah, let's connect. Please call, email, text, whatever you want to do. I am available at any time. Thank you, Song, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Song Che and Founders First Capital Partners, visit them at their website, www.foundersfirstcapitalpartners.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded on Zoom. We thank you for your listenership. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our projection. Please email us at info at andersonville.org for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community, and for staying always Andersonville.